You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. That I need to trust and obey. Really being loyal to God is all about trusting and obeying. Are you that you can trust the Lord, but you're not really loyal until you obey. You're not really someone who truly is loyal to God unless you trust Him and It's not enough just to believe. In Revelation chapter 12, it says this in verse 7. It says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon in But he was not strong enough in heaven. The great dragon, the angel, the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. The Bible right here makes it very clear that it is Satan who has the entire world astray. The entire world is not loyal to God. Are you with me, sir? It says not only is Satan down here, but with him. They represent the enemies of God. That Satan is here on earth, and his angels are here on earth as well. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation, and the power, and the kingdom of our God, Christ, for the accuser of our brother. I mean, Satan's a... Night and day, the Bible says. Who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, you heaven and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his time is short and his curse said. Right here, it makes it very clear. That the disciples were so loyal to God that they died for the cause. Are you with me here? Because they didn't love their lives as so much as shrink from death. And we understand Jesus died for us. He didn't love his life so much that he was unwilling to die. He died for us. And of course, by that, by, by, by that act of obedience, he trusted God and he obeyed God. He was loyal to God because he died. And we understand spiritually we are to die to ourselves. So that we can prove ourselves loyal to God. The Bible also says right here, in verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb that's being forgiven, and by the word of their testimony, they shared their faith. A faithful disciple shares his faith. He doesn't hold it in because he's afraid of what people think about him. He shares his faith. He talks about what God has done in his life. He is loyal to God, and because he is loyal, he shares his faith with the people who are not of God. Are you with me here, church? Let me tell you something. We are in a battle. We are in a war. If there's one thing we got to be loyal to, is we got to be loyal to our God. We got to be totally loyal to our God. How loyal? Death. We got to be willing to die for God. That's really what it means to be loyal. Turn over to First Samuel chapter 31. You know, if you're here in the church with us, we are excited to uh, have you here. We've been studying out the book of First and Second Samuel. I like the transition of God's people being all scattered and in disarray in the book of Judges to transferring the, the, the kingdom, uh, or, or Saul rather, being 
raised up as the first king. And then him, we, we come to a point in time where he's actually taken out. And David, the true king of, of God's people, starts to not only be raised up, but he's getting ready to be anointed. And we come to a particular aspect, a uh, time in the scriptures where uh, we see the, the, the sad fall of Saul. Why? Because he was disloyal to God. Turn over to First Samuel there in verse 30. We're going to kind of get a start here at our lesson today. And today, we literally are just going to be talking about one simple concept. Loyalty. Loyalty. Being loyal to God. Being loyal to God's leaders. Being loyal to God's movement. Being loyal to what the Bible teaches. We're going to talk about loyalty today, God. Because if you're not loyal to... You can't be loyal to God and not be loyal to God's leaders. If you're unloyal to God's leaders, you're unloyal to God. we got to be loyal. And if you're... you're, you're, you're not, and, Loyalty up, loyalty down. It starts with your relationship with God. When you're loyal with God, you'll be loyal to God's leader. When you're loyal to God, you'll be loyal to God's commandment. When you're loyal to God, you'll be loyal to God. You'll love them more than you love your own people. You gotta talk about loyalty today, God. You guys with me? The definition of loyalty. Loyalty is faithfulness or devotion to a person, a country, a group, or a cause. And we understand our cause is to make disciples of every nation all across the entire world in one generation. Are you guys with me here? That is our calling. As Christians, Matthew chapter 28 says, go and make disciples of every nation. It doesn't just say make disciples that are black. Even though I love my black people. <laughs> Even though I love my Irish people. It doesn't say make disciples of all the incredibly beautiful little half Vietnamese women. That's my wife. We got to make disciples of all nations. Amen, guys? That is our cause. That is what we have to be loyal to. One man said that loyalty is only tested. Loyalty. He says loyalty is like juice from an orange. You cannot determine the exact flavor until you squeeze the orange. Then you know if it's sour or sweet. You know, oftentimes, we don't really understand how loyal we are or are not until God puts a squeeze on us. When God squeezes on your commitment, He puts a squeeze on your faith, He puts a squeeze on your position, we can even have this attitude in the church, God, for squeezing you. And what comes out is sour. It's just sour loyalty. I don't know here. But you don't know if it's sour until you get squeezed on you. We've got to be loyal to the Lord. One man said loyalty is the most powerful force in the human heart. And of course, as we go through the Bible, we understand that loyalty is all through the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were loyal to God. They said, listen, we will rather die than the worst of you, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You guys remember that? Jeremiah preached the word of God so much so that uh, he, he, he told God's people, listen, all you guys, you're not faithful. You've fallen away. You've fallen away from God. And of course, what did they do? They, they tried to kill him. They threw him in a cistern for, for telling the truth. You know, when you're loyal to God, you tell the truth. People will throw you in a cistern. Job's loyalty was severely tested by sickness. 
by Paul. And of course, a lot of other challenges. But of course, what happened? God blessed him for being loyal in the end. He was very loyal. Daniel was very loyal to God. He opposed the government. He says, listen, I'd rather be loyal to God than even the government. And of course, that was because he decided to pray towards Jerusalem. And he was very loyal to God. Ruth was loyal to Naomi. She chose to suffer poverty. And the sisters are like, yeah. <laughs> All the mothers, yeah, amen. <laughs> she was a loyal. See, there are women who need to be loyal as well. All disciples need to be loyal. Of course, Rahab the prostitute was loyal to God's people at Jericho. She was loyal to God's people, and she saved not only her life, but she helped save the lives of many others. And we understand that Rahab was in the lineage of Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, chapter 1, verse 5. So that means Jesus' great, 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 something like that there. See, Jesus is not afraid to identify with someone who is called a prostitute in the Bible. See, Jesus, it's not about race and socioeconomic status of Jesus. It's just about trusting and obeying and being loyal to God. The Apostle Paul, of course, he was very loyal to God. He was death, and of course, in the end, he died. John the Baptist was loyal, and he had decent So much so that he told Herod that you're living with your brother's wife. You are in sin for doing that. You're in sin. And what happened? They tried to kill him. They boiled him to death and threw him on the island of Patmos to be, 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 be sentenced to death. And in his most severe pain, that's when he wrote the book of Revelation. Because he was loyal to God. He was loyal to God. There was nothing that was going to take him out. Sarah was loyal to God. She called her husband master. Okay, I heard a couple sisters say amen there. I heard Jeanette. Jeanette's loyal, baby. Jeanette, Jeanette, grandma, she is, that's a loyal sister that she, she, she's heard this from before. Amen. <laughs> amen. Loyalty. Esther was loyal. She risked death. She risked death. Young girl, she's 16 years old. Still loyal. See, you can be loyal as a team. Just because you're young doesn't mean you should not be loyal to God. There's got to be loyalty. And of course, Jesus himself was loyal not only to God, but he was loyal so much that he died on a cross for our sins in the church day. Loyalty. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to dig on in here, guys. Of course, we come to a particular time where David... David, of course, and we understand from the past that he is, he's gone from the cave of Babylon. He's strengthened these guys that came to him who were indebted and discontented. you remember that? That's the part where we said amen last week when we talked about being in debt and stuff like that. <laughs> so David grabbed all these guys that were in debt and discontented. He's made them leaders. He's raised them up. They built a great group. And of course, we come to this town in Ziklag that the Philistines allowed David to take chapter 30 here. He takes over the town. But then he comes back and finds out that the town's been destroyed and burned by fire. He finds out that his own wife has been taken, his own kids, his friends, everybody, everything was destroyed. And even David's own men were talking of stoning him. His own brothers and sisters got pissed off at leadership when they saw the squeeze being put on them. And it just simply says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, in verse 6, 
It says David was greatly distressed because the men were talking to stoning him. And that's what happened. Things go wrong in your life and you blame the leader. Things go wrong in your life and you blame God. Things go wrong in your life. How come this divorce happen? And you blame God. And that's what was going on here. They were blaming David. And in that way, they were blaming God because David was God's anointed. Each one was bitter and spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And the church said, I'm a strength in the Lord that you got. Have you been finding your strength in the Lord? David was loyal to God. I, I don't understand. I don't, this must have been incredibly challenging. To be in a situation where everybody you knew abandoned you, left you. And you were forced to find your strength, not in the fellowship, not in the praise of man, but in God. After David found his strength in the Lord, he was loyal to God. This is our first point. David was loyal to God. I mean, can you honestly say you're loyal to God? Can you honestly say you've been truly loyal to God? Well, let's look at the first uh, uh, New Testament passage to give us a little insight of what it really means to be loyal to God. John chapter 14, verse 15. says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. John chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So we find that true loyalty to God is obedience. That's just true love. Not believing in God. That's not that. Belief is not enough. We live in a world, we live in a Burger King world. That's what we live in. Where everybody has it their way. That's right. Okay. Persecution? Oh, I don't want that. Back to hold us. Special sauce, people, brothers, under the Sesame Seed Bun. I don't want that. I don't want the persecution. I want to be liked by everybody at my high school, my college. And if I can't be liked, I don't know if I can be a disciple. You're unloyal to God. You're Burger King Christian. We can't have Burger King Christians, guys. I know a Burger King Christian. I was a Burger King Christian. I wanted it my way. My entire family preached to me all my life. I'm so grateful for my family. I'm so grateful for my mother on this Mother's Day. If it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't truly have a faith in God. My mother was a single mother with three, three boys, four boys, total with me. She worked her fingers to the bone, and she was an incredible mother. She put faith in God in me. But at the end of the day, my mother did not obey the commandments of God. She did not obey the commandments of God. And I'll never forget when she passed away. It was one of the hardest things I ever went through in my life. 
one of the most challenging things when she passed away. I remember coming to my mother and showing her what the Bible taught it meant to obey, to be loyal to God. So I said, Mom, you, you got to obey the commandments. You, 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 can't, you can't smoke and call yourself a Christian. You can't do that. You can't be immoral and call yourself a Christian. In fact, Mom, I want to teach you some, a few things here about even what, what, what you believe the Pentecostal church teaches. Because the Bible doesn't say don't make Pentecostals, it says don't make disciples. That's what the Bible says. And Mom, let me tell you, in Acts chapter 2, when, when Pentecost came and God allowed His Holy Spirit to come down on all those people, that was a prophecy, Mom, preached by Joel. A prophecy is something that happens. Once it happens, it happens. And you can't pray for it. It says it came without warning. So you can't pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit as you've been teaching me all my life, Mom. I'm sorry. I love you. You're wrong. You've not been obedient to the Scriptures, Mom. I'm sorry. And you're my mother, and I respect it, and I love you, and, and everything. And you know, my mom sadly didn't, didn't respond to what the Scriptures taught. And by not responding to the Scriptures, she was showing herself unfaithful to God. My mom passed away. She is not in heaven right now. She is in hell. Because she was not faithful to the, to, to the commands of the Bible. You hear, you hear something like that, and you go, okay, well, what does that mean? When it happened to me, I, I was tempted to get mad. Why did you allow this to happen? Until I realized that death is for the living. I realized what the book of Ecclesiastes says. Because God has set eternity in the hearts of men. That every man, every woman thinks about heaven, and every woman and man thinks about hell. So we think about it. Whether somebody reads it to you or not, you think about it. If you came today, you thought about it. You thought about your, your destiny. And my mother's death was for me. The living. To put the fear of God in me. To help me see I need to be faithful to God. I need to be faithful man of God. How loyal to God have you been this week? Back to First Samuel. You guys sit with me. Disciples got to be loyal to God. You've got to be loyal to God. David found his strength in the Lord. Okay, what happens after this? Of course, when you're loyal to God, then you get the victory. God brings victory. It says that uh, after David found out that all these bad things happened, uh, it says in verse 16, it says uh, he led down and there they were. Yeah, it says, he led David down, and there they scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of Philistines of Judah. David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day. None of them got away except the 400 young men who rode off on camels and slaves. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. See, when you're faithful to God, he's faithful to you. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder. Anything else that they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and the herds. And the men drove ahead of them. Other livestock saying, this is David's plunder. See, the men start saying, David, this is your plunder. They want to give honor to David. You know, we're going to find out about that here in a moment. Then David came out to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow him and who were left behind at the Bezar Ravine. See, when David went to pursue these Philistines, half of the church, half of the disciples, they, they just, they were tired. They were still faithful. They were just tired. 
They were just tired. They did everything they could. They were just weak. You know, we're going to have brothers and sisters from time to time that are weak. Are we not? It is the truth. We're going to have weak brothers and sisters in the church. And we need to make sure we take care of the, the weak disciples. We need to make sure that we, 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 we have the right assessment of them. That we don't call them uncommitted because they're weak. Because they're going through their challenges. There was a weak brother in the back who said, Amen. We appreciate you, weak brother. We love you still. We're loyal to you as a weak brother in the fellowship there. I'm glad you understand how weak you are. Truth be told, we're all weak from time to time. And David, because he was loyal to God, had spiritual discernment. See, when you're loyal to God, you can discern what is best. And he did not classify these guys as they're uncommitted. He saw that they were weak. They tried. Verse 22. But all the evil men and the troublemakers among David's followers said, because they did not go out with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recover. However, each man may take his wife and his children and go. They replied, no, my brother. You must not do that. With what See, David doesn't say that all the, all the finances, all the money was his. David says it was the Lord. He says it was the Lord. And we can't take responsibility or we can't take, take credit for what the Lord has given us. That's what David says here. And then it says here, he says in verse 24, says, who will listen to what you have to say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. David made this the statute and the ordinance for Israel from that day to this. You know, David just pulled unity in the church by saying, listen, when you're loyal to God, you've got to be loyal to the blessings of God. And here we have a time where some of the men were tired. And they weren't able to give in the same way. But they they, they, they with the supplies. This is not tolerating the person who's sinfully lazy. This is, this is accepting someone who's weak, being loyal to them. Because they're, they're still faithful. You know, last week's special contribution was awesome, guys. And uh, for those of you that are visiting, we, we believe that we don't put our finances and our money into buildings. We just rent this place. The Bible teaches the church is us. It's the individual. So we pour our money into the people. Can I get an amen on that? See, the money goes into the people, and that's what the movement of God has. We've got the people, and, and, and we, we, we got our Bible. We've got our convictions here. We've got the vision that we hold sacred to our hearts. The vision to advance this nation in one generation. That is our vision. Yeah. Why? Because that's God's vision. And of course, we had that special mission contribution. And uh, I have to admit, I, I was faithful to God the entire time. Uh, we counted up all the money that we collected to continue our ministry here. And as the money was being counted, I was so faithful to God that I was in the bathroom on my knees next to a friend. Freaking out, to be quite honest. I was so scared. I was in the bathroom. You want to know what it is? Continue. As soon as I start praying, I get the phone call from Phil. We made it. Now, what was the call of the church? To get 15 times your weekly sacrifice. We understand the Old Testament tithing with 10%. So, we as a church gave 15 times that weekly tithe to continue the ministry here. Okay? That would be minimum. But disciples aren't minimum. We're not, we're not, we're not Burger King Christians. You don't just do the minimum just, just to get on in there. 15 times is just, that, that was the standard. 
So there were certain disciples that, 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 that went after it with all their heart, and they blew it out. They gave more than 15 times. Me and my wife gave more than 15 times. Some of you, you know who you are. You gave more than 15 times. Some of you didn't get 15 times. Now, those of you that didn't get 15 times, that tried with all your heart, you are to be commended. You are to be commended. You stay with the supplies in that way, and amen. And as a church, we need to be loyal to one another and understand that, that last week's victory was all of our victory. It was the big entire church. Amen? It was God's victory there. Not your heart. If you're someone who's looking down on those who didn't get their special mission contribution. If you're looking down on someone who tried with all their heart and, and, and didn't make it. I, I want to help you here. As David about David guys that did that with trouble we got enough trouble being here in Camden, being here in London. we got enough trouble. We don't need more troublemakers in the church. we got to guard our hearts in that way and be loyal. The other thing we learn here is that this was God's contribution. God gave David plunder. So we find out something that happens here in verse 26. It says, Then David arrived at Ziklag. He sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. Ooh, what do we find out here? David is spiritually sharing the wealth. See, when you're faithful to God, you're faithful to the contribution. And what David does is he starts sharing the wealth with other, other nations, other, other places that he travels, other places that he invents. He starts sharing you know, I had a great conversation with uh, our sister church there in, uh, in Stockholm, Sweden. With our brother Argo. Argo is hilarious, you know. Michael, Michael, how, how are you doing there in, in London? I'm hearing you're doing good things down there. And we were inspired of very fighters up here. You know, it's the bubble you're driving your picture. So it's very, very good. And, uh, you know, we, we're going back and forth and we're chatting. And he starts telling me about the brothers that we have in Nova Siberia. We have a remnant group there in Nova Siberia, right, guys? And uh, we're fired up about remnant groups. Okay? Gotta stay fired up about the remnant group. And he starts sharing how, as a very, very poor, small remnant group, last week they had their first restoration in the Lord. And that was someone who fell away and came back to God. And then as he shared the story, he says, yeah, it's awesome. He says, you know, they're, they're very, they're very faithful. They, 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 they don't have a place to meet like you guys in London, but they're faithful. And my, I felt my heart kind of sank. And he goes, you know, they, they, I go, well, well, how about a car? No, no, they don't have cars or, or, or train. They, 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 they don't have train like you in London there, but, but, they're, but they're, they're kind of happy. And I said, okay. Uh, I go, how's things going? He goes, well, the leaders, they, they don't really, to be quite honest, they don't really have much food. In fact, they don't have any food. They don't even have food to feed their kids. And all of a sudden, and he's all fired up about it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of, this is a challenge. This, this is weakness. And God has just blessed us with a great wonder from the enemies here, if you will. I said, you know, Argo, we got to take care of our brothers up there in those subjects. We got to send some plunder their way. We got to send some, but we got to take it. They're, they're not even feeding their children. Wow. Yet they're reaching out to people. Yet they're, they're going after people. They don't have food for their kids and they're still going after what they're And I said, listen, 
I'm going to give essential leadership. We're going to talk about ways that we can kind of help you guys on out there. Uh, but, but I, as, as a brother, am going to commit that we're, we're going to give you we're going to give you a little plunder here to take care. So you can take the edge off there. And he says, "Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate this." You know. And of course he smiled and he laughed. We got to be loyal to the contribution guys. Yeah. And we got to be loyal to all of our other brothers. Yeah. Yeah. This also brings up another point. We we got to be loyal to our our, our giving this week. Yeah. Last week, of course, we had a special special victory there. But we can't let this week be the week that we stop giving our time. And we stop giving and we stop being to the giving, to the contribution. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. And you don't want your treasure in your pocketbook. You want your treasures in heaven. Got to stay loyal to God. And when you're loyal to God, you're loyal to the contribution. Let's keep going, guys. Chapter 31. You know, this here highlights one of the sadder moments in the end of 1 Samuel. Of course, this highlights the fall and the completion of, of Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 31, we're, we're, we're going to, you know, God has warned him several times. God has told him what, what, what he should do. And, and of course, in 31, it says, uh, verse 1, it says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them. And many fell slain on Mount Geboa. The Philistines pressed hard against Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Maxia. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. See, what would happen during this time is, is if you were caught by the enemy, they would torture you. They would not, they would torture you. And Saul did not want to face torture. Yet he didn't realize that he'd been living a life of torture because he was not faithful to God. You're not a disciple. Let me tell you something. You may not feel the pain of that torture, but on judgment day, you feel that pain. And as disciples, we are to tell people the truth from the scriptures. It is better for someone for someone to be offended by you now than to be offended on judgment day. And of course, he, he didn't realize, listen, he had been living a torturous life, an unfaithful life. He's been, I mean, he, hey, he faced his end here. And he literally, he wants to kill himself and take himself out. So but his armor bearer was terrified. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. Wow, you see the armor bearer, he at least had a loyalty to God. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men died together that same day. And of course, we understand how the end of this this, this chapter happens. David honors Saul. David honors Jonathan. David honors him. And we see that Saul fell on his own sword. And when he fell on his own sword, he fell away from God. He had fallen away from God a long time ago. But when he fell on his own sword and he, and he took himself out, he was unfaithful to the Lord. And Saul's not in heaven right now. He's not in heaven. We see also that his armor bearer had conviction, but when he saw Saul, <laughs> he killed himself. What do we learn there? Leadership makes a difference. Leadership makes a difference. <laughs> And the armor bearer should have stayed faithful to God. 
He should have stayed faithful to what God was doing in the land. Because see, God was using David to build a church that taught the truth. You know, God is using this church to build a church that teaches the truth in London, England. He's doing this is, hey. And we just believe in going by what the Bible teaches. Not by our feelings. Not by our opinions. Not by what our elders or our friends or our parents have taught us. But what the Bible teaches. We've got to remain loyal to God. Saul fell on the sword, took himself out. To God. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Verse 1. So that after the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites. And stayed in Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and with dust on his head. Now, this is, this is an incredible story because this really highlights that when you're not loyal to God, you, 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 you can get faced out. And right here, this is where the, the, the enemies are trying to take David out. And this guy comes there and he's got dust on his head. And, he's got, and it says, when he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. We, where did he come from? David asked him. He answered, I've escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked him. Tell me. He said, the men from the battle, or the men fled from the battle. Many of them fell and died. And Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to his young man, who brought him this report? How do you know Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? I mean, you don't just throw out a couple names like that. You don't, you, don't, you don't talk about the Lord's anointed just haphazardly. He, he Saul was the leader. He was who God raised on up. You know, you just preach against that leader like that. And say, oh, no. he, he, he's just gone. Also, you don't bring up Jonathan. Jonathan, hey, that was not only one of my good friends, but he was, he was the next one to become commander there. And this guy doesn't talk about any else but those two people there. Very interesting. In verse 6, the guy says, we know I happened to be on Mount Gibbon, the young man said. And there was Saul leaning on his spear with his chariots and riders almost upon him. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me and I said, What can I do? He asked, Who are you? An Amalekite, I answered. Then he said to me, Stand over me and kill me. Wow, this looks very different than the account we just read in chapter 31. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I stood over him and killed him because I knew that after he had fallen, he couldn't survive. I took the crown that was on his head, the band on his arm. I brought them there to my Lord. This guy's a people. This guy's an Amalekite. I is an enemy of God. All the folks that fought against God's people were enemies in the Old Testament. We understand the Old Testament is a physical foreshadowing of the New Testament spiritual reality. So things that happen in the Old Testament in a physical sense happen in the New Testament. So here, this guy is an enemy. He is against the people of God. And then he comes with the, the, the sack of... He's got, he looks so sincere and he's got this report and, and, he, tell, and he comes to David and, oh, I'm just, I just want to share this, what happened to you. But he's an enemy of God. Let's find out David's answer to him. Verse 11. Then David and all the men with him 
took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and they wept and fasted till morning, or till evening, for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the army of the Lord and the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who brought him the report, Where are you from? Uh, I'm the son of an alien and an Amalekite, he answered. David asked him, Why would you to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? When David called one of his men, then David called one of his men and said, Go strike him down. So he struck him down, and he died. For David had said to him, Your blood be on your own head. Your mouth testified against you when you said you killed the Lord's anointed. This is very interesting. This is very interesting. First Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says the armor bearer was standing there watching. Second Samuel chapter 1, we have this Amalekite story. But Second Chronicles, or First Chronicles chapter 10, gives us another insight that we've got to go look at. First Chronicles chapter 10. Because I believe this guy was, you know, sometimes you've got to dig through your Bible to really find the true answer. And First Chronicles chapter 10, we have another account of the exact same story in verse 1. Says now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they found Jonathan and Benadad and Shur. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him. Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, for these uncircumcised fellows will come and abuse me. That's the torture. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, it's confirmed, he was dead. He too fell on his sword and died. So Saul and his three sons died, and all the house of his, all the house died together. When Israelites in the valley saw that the army had fled, and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their own towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. So the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his sons fallen on Mount Gabor. They stripped and took the head of the armor and sent the messengers throughout the land of Philistines to proclaim the new song, their idols, and their idols, their people. They put this temple of their gods and hung it up, hung it up, and hung up his head in the temple of Dagon. When all the inhabitants of Jebeth-Gilead heard everything, that the Philistines had done to Saul. All their men went and took the bodies of Saul and the sons of Jebesh and brought them to Jebesh. And in verse 13, it simply Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. Right here, it simply says Saul killed himself. He killed himself. So we find out the first, the, the second Samuel account. This guy was lying. This guy was lying, and of course David questioned him. But David did not have a hundred percent proof that he was lying. Nowadays we can dig in our Bible and we can find those little pieces and and, and, and do that. But David was loyal to God, so he was loyal to his conviction. You're an enemy. Hey, if you're an enemy of God and God said to wipe you out, remember Saul was told to wipe the enemies out, to wipe the Malachites out? And he didn't do it, did he? He never did it, did he? Not completely. What do we learn? When you're, the sin that you don't deal with completely will come back to take you out. 
The very call that God gave Saul was to wipe out the Amalekites. And it was an Amalekite, the Philistines, the enemies, that came back to get it. And it was this Amalekite that was still trying to weave his way into the kingdom and do some damage. What's the sin that God has called you to deal with that you haven't completely dealt with? Saul didn't completely deal with the Amalekites. What is it? Internet pornography? Are you still, are, are you struggling with internet pornography? I mean, this is what I struggle with. Where I was in the And I realize if I don't deal with it, in the end it will take me out. Bitterness, that's a form of impurity. You don't deal with your bitterness, in the end it will take you out. Sentimentality. Not being faithful to the word. You don't deal with that, in the end it will take you out. These are all things that will take us out of And they expose our loyalty to God. We've got to be loyal to the Scripture. You know, one of the people I'm super fired up about is our sister uh, Kiefer. <laughs> you know, Kiefer had every hit in the world. She's had every hit in the world. She had her best friend who said, listen, okay, you want to become a true Christian? I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Kiefer, stay faithful. The guy that reached out to her, hey, he's not a disciple anymore. He's not a disciple. When you're not a disciple, when you, when you fall away, you become an enemy. James chapter 3, friendship with the world is taken towards God. And don't you know that anybody who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy? That means if any one of us in this room decides to fall away, we become an enemy. You know, you understand that. You know, Peter, the brother, you know, we're praying that he comes back. We love him dearly, do we not? But when you fall away, you're, you're not, you're an enemy. You're an enemy. And I know that there's been a few people that are not right with God that have come back to different disciples with their Amalekite story. With that stuff there is. Let me tell you, oh, oh, let me tell you, on Facebook. No, you need your faith in this book here. This is the faith, faith in this book, not Facebook. Don't tell me about my church on Facebook. Let's give you your faith in this book, and then let's talk about it. You're on Facebook, God, you haven't come to church in two months. I don't know who you are, you're an enemy now. Now, that's why we don't need that. Anything you say is suspect from here on out. Do you have that as a deep conviction as a church? That if someone is falling away, they're unfaithful. I didn't hear any amen, though. We need to have an amen on that guy. So it's not, not right with God. They're, they're, they're an Amalekite. They're, they're an enemy. Doesn't mean we don't love them. Sucked into their story and allow it to take us out. We don't get sucked into their story and allow it to take us out. Amen? Let's keep going and close out here, guys. Let's keep going. Loyalty. There's got to be loyalty to the leadership. Chapter 2. There's got to be loyalty in the leadership. Second Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8 here. Now, this is a very interesting transition here. This highlights one of the characters that's going to play a big part of Second Samuel. So you need to make sure we follow this particular guy. 
Uh, of course, God was doing something in Israel. He's transferring the kingdom over to David. He, okay, generals and all this, that, and the other. But David, David is the new leader. And if the new leader is a new leader, he's a new leader. He's raised up by God. And the people, hey, they, 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 those that love Saul were, were a little bit more loyal to Saul. That love Saul's father more loyal to Saul. And, and when things change, we need to be willing to, to embrace change. And David, of course, is bringing that change to God's movement here. And it says in verse 8, it says, Meanwhile, I love the Bible, meanwhile, <laughs> I love the story. Abner, son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and brought him over to Hamanan. He made him over Gilead, Asherah, of Jezreel, and also over Ephraim, and all of Israel. Now we've got to find out who was Abner. Yeah. We've got to find out who was, who was Abner. Abner, first of all, he was the commander of Saul's army. This guy in leadership. Okay, so he's commander. First Samuel chapter 14, verse, verse 50, and I want you to write these down for time's sake. First Samuel chapter 14, verse 50, go back and study it. Abner was the guy who brought David to Saul when David killed Goliath. So Abner recognized that David was the Lord's anointed. He knew it. He was the one after David killed Goliath. He brought David to Saul and said, hey, this guy cranked. This guy is the Lord's anointed. This is just the next guy. Okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 55, it was Abner who then turned and started pursuing David with Saul. Okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 5, it was Abner who pursued Saul with David for 10 years. So he's been going after David for a while. He knew who the Lord's anointed was. Abner didn't want to be loyal to the strange. He didn't want to be loyal to David. He liked it the old way. He's holding on to his position. And of course he raises up Ishbosheth, which is Saul's, one of Saul's sons, who is a weak leader, who he can manipulate. And he raises that with him as a leader. And the Bible just says, says Ishbosheth, son of Saul, was 40 years old when he became king over Israel, and he reigned two years. The house of Judah, however, followed David. The length of time David was king in Hebron over, uh, over the house of Judah was seven years, six months. Abner, son of Merah, together with the men of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, left Mahanan and went to Gideon. Joab, son of Zariah, and David's men went out and met, with, met at the pool of Gideon. One group sat down on one side of the pool and one group on the other side. Then Abner said to Joab, now before we read this, you got to understand, there's a civil war beginning to happen in the movement. Okay, things are changing. David is becoming the next leader. Abner does not like that. And so this is, neither side wanted to literally just have that civil war. So Abner, being as unspiritual as he is in this bigger case, decides to kind of, kind of, kind of, hey, let's, let's do something to test the loyalty of men to their leader. Let's see what we can do. So he says in verse 14, Then Abner said to Joab, Let's have some of the young men get up and fight hand to hand in front of us. All right, let them do it, Joab said. They stood up for counted off. Twelve men from Benjamin and Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and twelve for David. Then each man grabbed his opponent by the head and thrust his dagger into his opponent's side. 
and they fell down together. So that place in Gisaka at Hazrum. The battle that day was very fierce. And Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by David's men, the three sons of Zeliah, Joab, Abishai, and Ashael. Now Ashael was fleet-footed as a wild gazelle. He chased Abner, turning neither to the right nor to the left as he pursued him. Abner took a look behind him and asked, is that you, Ashael? Now, before we dig into that, this particular battle here, where Abner grabs all these guys, and David grabs guys, this, this, this was not a battle where they were going to go hand in hand and fight each other. This was for each side to give their men what's called bloodlust. They literally stood next to each other and, and, and stabbed each other and killed each other because it was a way for each one of the commanders to make the other men in the army see their brothers fall and begin this massive civil war. So this, 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 was, this was just to incite bloodlust. Very evil, very wicked. Because if they could say, kill each other, then the men who were watching would go, you killed my brother, and of course they would, they would attack. They would attack. So we come to this part where Ashael is going after Abner. Verse 21. So then Abner said to him, turn aside to the right, to the left. Take one of the young men and strip him of his weapons. But Ashael, stop chasing him. Abner, again Abner warned Ashael, stop chasing me. Why should I strike you down? How can I look your brother Joab in the face? But Ashael refused to give up the pursuit. So Abner thrust the butt of his spear to Ashael's stomach. And the spear came out to his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And every man stopped when they came to that place where Ashael had fallen and died. But Joab and Abiathar pursued Abner, and as the sun was setting, they came to the hill of Ammon, near Gideon, on the way to the wasteland of Gideon. Then the men of Benjamin rallied behind Abner. They formed themselves into a group and took their stand on the hill. Wow, they're loyal to their leader. Abner called out to Joab, must the sword devour forever. Don't you realize that this will end in bitterness? happens when brothers are fighting against brothers. In the end, it ends in bitterness. It ends in bitterness. And of course, in chapter 3, it says the war between the house of Saul and David. Oh no, verse 30. It says, Then Joab returned from the pursuing Abner and assembled all his men. Besides that, even of David's men were found missing. But David's men killed 360 Benjamites who were with Abner. What strikes me that's very interesting here in this particular passage is the number of people that died. With David, it says the Bible says 19 people died. With Abner, it says 360 Benjamites died. Leadership makes a difference. Leadership makes a difference. And in, in, in battle, who's leading you makes a difference. And of course, David, there, there were more casualties on the other side there. And the question we we got to ask ourselves, because you see that both sides are loyal to their leader. How loyal are you to your leader? How loyal? I'm speaking to the church. Are you loyal to leadership? Are you truly loyal? How loyal were they? Willing to die. Willing to die for their leader. 
willing to die for one another. As a church, we've got to be loyal to the point of death, guys. We've got to be loyal to the point of death. This is really what Jesus did for us when he called us to love one another. He didn't just mean love in a fuzzy feeling. He meant we got to be willing to die for one another. No different than the men who died for each other. They died for them. They died. How loyal are you to the leadership? See, if you're loyal to God, you'll be loyal to God's leader. How faithful are you to the leadership? You know, the Israelites grumbled and complained. And the Bible says they were struck in death for grumbling and complaining. How loyal are you to the leadership? Or do you grumble and complain? Do you have quiet reservations? This will annihilate us as a church, guys. We cannot have quiet reservations. It cannot be tolerated. You can't grumble and complain against the leaders. Now, hey, the leaders aren't doing something that's right and biblical. Amen. We're not talking about that. We're talking about just... just you, you just... I've been there before. God raises up a leader and you, you don't like his style. If he's preaching the word of God, and it's preaching, that is the leader God has put in your life. That's what God has put in your life. And God knows you need to learn something from that leader. God knows that. That's who Kit <laughs> That's who Kit McKean was. The first discipleship time we had together, it was a swift rebuke in the Lord. We sat down and he said, Hey, how are you doing? I said, Hey, how are you doing? I thought, awesome. I, yeah. I showed up to, you know, our discipleship time, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes late, you know. You know, it's no big deal. He's only the Lord's anointed, that's all. I showed up late. We sat down. He was very patient with me. We sat down and looked me in the eye. He says, don't you ever do that again. I'm the man that God has put in your life to help you. You're undisciplined. You're worldly. You're unspiritual. And you don't know your Bible. Have a seat. God for that rebuke. Changed my heart. Changed my character. And I'm still working on it. And I'm loyal to him. Made mistakes. He's imperfect. He's not perfect. He's a man. Leaders are going to make mistakes. Doesn't mean they're not the leader. Doesn't mean they're not the Lord's anointed. We've got to be loyal to the point of death. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says, The war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Verse 6. During the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner had been strengthened in his own position in the house of Saul. Now Saul had a concubine named Rizpah, daughter of Ai. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why don't you sleep with my father's concubine? See, this is a play here. Once you slept with the king's concubine, you were saying you are to be the next leader. 
So we see the heart of Abner here. He's really not focused on who God has raised up being David, and he knew it. He's known it. Abner is trying to, he's focused on his position. That's what he's focused on. He's trying to secure his position. Verse 8, Abner was very angry because of what he's supposed to have said. And he answered, am I a dog on Judah's side? This very day, I am loyal to the house of your father Saul and to his family and to his friends. I haven't handed you over to David. Yet now you accuse me of an offense involving this woman. He's all defensive. <laughs> See, that's how people are. When they're focused on their position and you call them on it, they get very defensive. <laughs> May God deal with Abner ever so severely. If I do not do for David what I did for the Lord, what, I, what the Lord promised him on oath, and transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul, and establish David's throne over Israel and Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Ishbosheth did not dare say another word to Abner, because he was afraid of him. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to say to David, whose land is it? Make an agreement with me, and I will help you bring all Israel over to you. We stop there. Of course, what happened here is Abner finally, Abner finally sells out. And of course, people on Saul's side come and they join David. And of course, David winds up winning Abner on over. He winds up winning Abner on over. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't win him over by just rebuking him and taking him out. He winds up winning him over because he had greater, greater victories as a leader. The number of people that were coming to David versus leading Abner was obvious. So, so David was a leader who led by example. You know, if we're going to win people to come and be with us, we need to be disciples who lead by example. People will come on over, but we've got to lead by example. And as God is building the church here, we can't be focused on position. We can't be focused on and worried about where our position is. We can't be when called on. As Abner, a little defensive. And then he does what God wants anyway. He brings people on over. (laughs) The challenge for us today is very simple. Loyalty. When you're loyal to God, you're loyal to God's commandments. You're loyal to God's leaders. You're loyal to the contribution. You're loyal to God's movement. And the question is, very simple, how loyal have you been? How loyal have you been? Next week, we're going to pick it up in the end of chapter 3 and in the chapter 4. Have a blessed day. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.